lecture two on the nature and object of christian patience patience is necessary for you that doing the will of god you may receive the promise hebrews chapter ten verse thirty six when we have obtained a clear insight into the precise nature of any virtue of how it works in the soul and to what purpose it is directed we have gained the knowledge both of what it is and of what it is not and we are able to distinguish its action from every other movement of the will this knowledge is of great importance for the cultivation of virtue for as an engineer cannot work his engine satisfactorily unless he knows what belongs to every part of its construction a soul cannot manage herself with intelligence unless she knows what belongs to her several powers in the exercise of the virtues when one thing in the soul is confused by the mind with another the will cannot work in clear light and may even confound what is opposed to a virtue with the virtue itself causing error perplexity and uneasiness there are many people who read expositions of the virtues in books and have a real desire to profit by them yet the knowledge they gain is but little compared with what they might obtain because they look more into the book than into themselves they do not reflect upon their own interior state or upon their own interior operations in doing which the book is intended to assist them nor do they carefully observe what passes within their souls their knowledge is book knowledge not self-knowledge and is consequently shallow without roots within them and quickly fades and passes away such unreflecting readers are like the man who beholds his face in a glass goes his way and presently forgets what manner of man he is but if we look upon a book as no more than a help to self-knowledge and the perfecting of the virtues and if we second the book by interior reflection and observation then it will enable us to read and understand the interior book of the soul which has the immense advantage of being illuminated with spiritual light and we shall thus obtain a knowledge all our own a true and lasting possession always ready to do us service but this demands for its accomplishment that very virtue of patience which it is the object of this book to inculcate the first thing required to be understood is that patience is an immediate exercise of the will which is the spring of all free and moral action it must not therefore be confounded with the sentiments sensibilities or feelings because it is a pure act of the will but although like all real virtue it springs from the resolution and action of the will as enlightened by the mind and conscience patience like every other virtue uses the other faculties of the soul and even the members of the body as its instruments the will making them obedient to execute its commands and to act in submission to its force and direction but the will of the good christian is elevated by divine motives and sentiments and is energized by divine grace 
so that the strength of virtue depends upon the supernatural gifts of god but what has to be mainly looked to is the will because when the will is good and resolute and goes in the right direction the whole man follows as a matter of course the second thing to be understood where patience is concerned is the double action of the will the action by which the will advances and the action by which it recedes and refuses its cooperation it advances to what it loves it recedes and refuses to be united to what it dislikes or hates the virtuous will desires and wills what is good but refuses to give itself up to what is vicious or disorderly and although this refusal is often said to be passive it is in fact a strong act of the will and often requires more strength and resolution than it does to desire and will what is good hence this kind of action is the greatest practical proof of the freedom of the will for when the will is attracted by some strong inferior appetite or urged by some strong passion to move in the direction of evil or disorder and yet adhering to higher and better motives that will draws back upon itself and refuses to be drawn away by that appetite or to be driven by that passion this is not only the greatest proof of the freedom of the will but it is the greatest act of virtue but what we have here described is the interior action of patience but left to its own nature the will is so weak movable and restless it is so readily attracted by curiosity its attention is so quickly turned to whatever is felt within us or that moves around us that it cannot be truly firm and patient unless it have a firmament upon which to rest far stronger than nature can provide and a strength incomparably beyond its own as well as a motive more exalted than mere nature can supply the firmament is the god in whom we live and on whom the soul must rest by adherence to him this strength is the supernatural grace of god given to the will this motive greater and stronger than all others on which to place both the attention and the intention of the will is the light and love of god when the will thus rests on god looks to god and draws strength from god that patience is generated which resists all evils and disorders gives us the possession of ourselves and keeps the soul in peace be thou o my soul subject to god for from him is my patience psalm sixty one verse six if we take the common definition of christian patience it is the virtue that strengthens the soul to resist provocations and temptations and to endure afflictions so as neither to give up the good of virtue nor to commit sin this definition is sufficiently comprehensive to include the different ways in which patience is exercised as well as the different adversaries to which it is opposed and it shows that the chief object of the virtue is to keep the soul in the peaceful possession of herself 
but it should be clearly understood by every one who values the perfection of his actions that this virtue of patience depends a great deal more upon the interior management of the soul than upon our exterior conduct not only because it must necessarily begin there and make progress there and there in the interior establish order and peace but also because if the interior man is patient the exterior man will be preserved in patience for impatience begins within the soul and from thence proceeds to the exterior man patience is both a special and a universal virtue as a special virtue it is opposed to two special vices as a general or universal virtue it gives strength stability and protection to all the virtues and is opposed to every vice we have here to consider it as it is a special virtue and as such it is opposed to vexation and anger on the one hand and to sadness on the other for these are the chief destroyers of patience vexation and anger are opposed both to the good of reason and to the good of virtue they darken the light of justice take us from our self-possession bring us into disorder disturb our peace and diminish or destroy charity they set fire to the other passions and appetites and lead us into evil but they are also mixed with sadness and when anger subsides sadness remains and is increased by the reaction from the excitement and folly of anger hence st thomas defines the special virtue of patience to be the virtue that preserves the good of reason against sadness so that reason may not sink under its influence for the moral virtues have good for their object and protect the good which the light of reason dictates against the disturbance of the passions but amongst those passions sadness is one that greatly hinders the good of reason from guiding the soul aright and in accordance with the light of justice sadness is a very subtle vice working often in its beginning without being perceived but grief and sadness are at the beginning of vexation and anger and act as stimulants to these passions and when the excitement of passion subsides the dregs that remain are a more bitter grief and more desolating sadness st paul says the sadness of the world worketh death two corinthians chapter seven verse ten and according to ecclesiasticus sadness hath killed many and there is no profit in it ecclesiasticus chapter thirty verse twenty five hence the soul has great need of patience to keep her from sadness vexation is the beginning of anger which has many degrees from mild resentment to outrageous fury anger is a sensitive irascible vindictive passion a complication of many passions with one prevailing appetite the appetite of revenge it springs out of grief and sadness owing to some real or imaginary disparagement offence contempt or injury threatened or inflicted upon us or upon some one dear to us 
and it awakens in us the appetite of retorting wrong or avenging injury as anger rises to the height of passion the blood starts up the nerves are shook the heart becomes tumid the brain is suffused the mouth trembles the tongue is impeded in its utterance the face glows with baleful fire the whole man is a painful and unsightly spectacle the excitement of the animal man overwhelms the spiritual man and reason sinks under the masterful dominion of passion it is an intoxication and a madness for the time it lasts if we look into the interior of the angry man he can be no longer recognized for what he was imagination has usurped the place of reason and crowds the mind with hateful images and vindictive motives lashed with anger the soul is all in disorder her peace has fled and rent and torn with sharp and bitter trouble the soul is herself no longer she has lost the power derived from her resemblance to god the mind has lost its guiding light the will its rational power pride takes the place of good sense hatred the place of charity and vindictiveness the place of justice and yet anger affects to be nothing less nor more than justice to quote the experience of one who had longed to contend with great anger under great and ignominious sufferings an excited mind ceases to reason carried away by a resistless torrent of wild ideas it forms for itself a sort of mad logic full of anger and malignity it is a state of soul as unphilosophical as it is absolutely unchristian anger opens the door to all the vices and passions and as that guardian virtue of patience is thrust aside there is nothing left that can prevent their entrance hence tumidity grief rashness audacity clamour contention strife hatred insult contumely indignation and violence all follow after anger and feed its desolating flames it smothers reason confounds wrong with right extinguishes prudence breaks up friendship treads down the wisdom of counsel befools the wise lacerates gravity destroys peace and shuts out the holy spirit from the christian soul it has been well observed by hugo of st victor that as pride takes man from god and envy takes the man from his neighbour anger takes the man from himself we have described the vice of anger in its full-blown pride and disorder and in its deadly degree because when a vice is seen in all its magnitude we are better able to see what vicious and hateful elements it contains and so can more easily understand that even in its less and lower degrees the germs of those same vices are not wanting although they escape the observation of those who are unaccustomed to much self-examination yet sensitiveness touchiness annoyance and such smaller degrees of impatience are not without irritation and interior disturbance 
and when it comes to displeasure discontent murmuring resentment vexation retort indignation or disdain there is a degree of anger in the soul not without at least an equal degree of sadness but it is precisely these degrees of irritation and vexation when first arising from our inferior nature and making themselves sensible to our superior nature to our light and to our conscience that present the most numerous occasions for self-discipline by the exercise of which our patience may be armed and fortified against more serious attacks of anger the first movements of impatience the first uneasiness of dissatisfaction are warnings to patience to be upon its guard lest trouble arise to disturb the soul and take hold of the will if we calmly look down from the superior soul upon the first movements of irritation or impatience nothing can appear more contemptible and under the rebuke of the gaze of our interior eye they vanish in shame one has seen from alpine heights a little white cloud down in the valley below which unless some wind blows it away will rapidly swell and grow until the whole region is enveloped in mist fog and rain so it is with the first little cloud of trouble and discontent that moves in our lower nature the breath of patience will disperse it but if left to itself it will quickly grow on what it feeds upon and will envelop and fill the soul with anger and vexation for anger is a brooding vice that feeds on sensitive self-love and imaginary wrong far beyond the original offence if indeed offence has been given it is a good point of prudence to realize to ourselves the good qualities of those with whom we have to act and which are almost always more and better in the heart than appears on the surface and yet not to forget their obvious limitations and infirmities that we may not only not misjudge their intentions but may also know what we can justly expect from them and what we cannot reasonably look for this will save an enormous amount of misconception rash judgment irritation and vexation we have all very different characters and the difference arises from our personal limitations which are owing partly to nature partly to the circumstances that have attended upon our several lives and much to the habits in which we have been formed but it is absurd to expect the same habits sentiments qualities and powers in all persons to judge all persons by the same standard to exact what does not exist and then give way to annoyance and discontent because we have not found what we desired as the old proverb says we must take people for what they are and make just and due allowances remembering that others have to allow for our limitations if a man chooses a partner in life for certain good qualities and finds with time that some others are deficient the whole happiness of that family depends upon his forbearance with respect to those limitations and upon his doing his best to supply them 
the same may be said of those who elect their superiors one is chosen by preference for certain leading qualities but there may be limitations as well yet how preposterous would it be for subjects to fix their minds upon those minor deficiencies and to make them the occasion of murmuring complaint and discontent forgetting all the good qualities for which that person was chosen a little society comes together under certain regulations for one common purpose but unless the members of that society make mutual allowance for the diversity of characters and limitations of which it is composed unless they bear and forbear give and take with equal good will contention and anger will enter that society and rend its happiness asunder the apostolic rule bear ye one another's burdens and so you shall fulfil the law of christ is the law of patient charity galatians chapter six verse two applying this law to religious societies the venerable gerard commenting on the rule that formed the author of the imitation of christ breaks forth in this exclamation never no eternally never can charity and concord reign in a community where holy patience does not absolutely rule such is the difference of natures temperaments and inclinations that it is impossible for a number of persons to live and act together in peace with each other and in concord with all unless each one holds his sensitive self-love under the control of patience and merges his private interests in the common good st paul had this great law of christian society in view when he wrote these words to the galatians you have been called unto liberty only make not your liberty an occasion to the flesh but by charity of the spirit serve one another but if you bite and devour one another take heed you be not consumed by one another if we live in the spirit let us walk in the spirit let us not be made desirous of vainglory provoking one another envying one another galatians chapter five verses thirteen through fifteen and verses twenty five and twenty six almost every one has some defect in body manners conduct or way of thinking and speaking and we have not unfrequently to come in contact with those who are rude or even vicious but if we lose sight of what is due to the immortal soul and give way to annoyance disgust or loathing we lose our patience become deformed ourselves by that loss and inflict wounds on our own charity and on that which is due to our neighbour now if we trace this conduct to its root we shall find that it originates in the impatience of fastidious self-love yet if we profess to follow christ and to imitate his ways we should remember that he chose for himself a society of simple uncultivated persons and conversed affectionately with publicans and sinners we forget how others have to bear with our defects and that we are a cause of trial to our neighbours blinded by self-love 
we see the mote in our brother's eye and forget the beam in our own there is nothing that drives us to impatience so vehemently or throws us into greater interior discord than an injury or the imagination of an injury which is far more frequent than real injury for sensitive persons who have but little interior self-discipline are prompt to imagine themselves injured in word or deed and what is greatly to be noted they are much more inclined to imagine themselves injured by their friends and by their superiors than by other persons the reason is because they attach more importance to their affection claim more of their indulgence and suffer more intensely if they think that they are undervalued or disparaged by them should they become dissatisfied with themselves and therefore conscious of blame they readily suspect that others disesteem them and are quick to interpret their words and acts in that sense then a little spark sets their soul in flames such persons ought to set a law on their imagination and keep their inflammable suspicions of wrong under the control of patience they ought to suspect their own suspicions which experience tells them are often unjust or their sensitive self-love will never leave them in peace for many things are said and done without the least intention of injury some from quickness of tongue some from inadvertence or thoughtlessness some in good-natured jest some from good intentions some from mere imprudence and no one has any right to take any of them in bad part and so commit himself to anger grief and sadness few there are who have not observed that even the just correction of those whose duty it is to correct instead of being taken in good part is too often converted into anger grief and sadness by weak souls who exhibit thereby a spirit at once mean and ungrateful where such is the case rebuke has justified itself and has revealed to that soul an interior state of disorder that calls for the most vigorous redress it is high time for that soul to become offended with her own conduct but if any one should falsely or maliciously assail our good name and reputation a mode of detraction not limited alas to the children of the world let us in that case keep our magnanimity that our virtue may be stronger than another's vice and that our patience may suffer no loss by reason of another's improbity rather should we rejoice in the lord that he has called us by these means to greater justice which is commonly born receives its growth and obtains perfection among injuries and insults in the nature of things justice is hated by injustice and therefore our lord was hated by judas by the sadducees and by the pharisees but he has promised a great beatitude to those who suffer injuries with patience there are also abundant occasions given us for the discipline of patience in those material things and events which are opposed to our inclinations and desires by necessity and independently of our choice such are corporal infirmities and maladies 
intense heat or cold severity of weather the uncomplying nature of materials in which we work and other like things however unreasonable it may be to give way to vexation or anger with things insensible yet many have so little wisdom as to lose their peace and patience over them nay some have so little patience as to lose temper over the bite of a fly the dullness of a pen the bluntness of a knife or the tightness of a shoe like little children devoid of reason they will ascribe guiltiness to things incapable of intention and have their little revenge upon them at the expense of their sense patience and serenity we come at last to those great calamities in which individuals families and whole communities are involved or overwhelmed whether by the injuries of men or the visitation of god such misfortunes try the constancy of the brave and expose feebler souls to the danger of desponding sadness now if reason should prove unavailing to set a measure to grief let faith prevail and when all seems lost on earth let us look up to heaven for better things for when things are at their worst according to the world if the calamity is rightly used they begin to be at their best according to god all things are in god's hands to give or take as he chooses and an immortal soul is more precious in his sight than all that the world can give when he strips a soul of earthly things he calls upon that soul to look to him and to trust in his care and providence his dispositions are wonderful he plays in the world with the children of men stripping but to clothe more generously striking but to heal casting down but to raise up bringing to the gates of death and restoring to life when holy job was stripped of his earthly goods and all his dear ones the god who holds all things in his hands remained to him and therefore he kept his patience and held to god with unswerving trust whilst the voice of his resignation arose in these memorable words the lord gave and the lord hath taken away as it hath pleased the lord so is it done blessed be the name of the lord in all these things job sinned not with his lips nor spoke any foolish thing against god job chapter one verses twenty one and twenty two and the lord blessed the latter days of job more than the beginning job chapter forty two verse twelve there is nothing really lost so long as god is with us nothing therefore to be despaired of as long as we are simple upright fearing god and departing from evil placing our hope in god and not in the prudence of the world he has care of his servants will turn their calamities into blessings and will not leave their patience unrequited divine is that patience of hope which in the heaviest as in the lightest trials looks to god trusts to god alone and fills the soul with the conviction that whilst god is with us nothing can be against us 
it would seem needless to advance more reasons on the duty of bearing adversities with patient resignation because on this subject every one can be his own teacher who is not ready to raise up the mind of his friend or neighbour from the depth of grief who is not able to direct the mind of one saddened with affliction to the divine help to the unreasonableness of too much sorrow and to the inestimable value of patience he will even minister gentle rebukes on the folly of being overwhelmed with too much sadness yet when his own turn comes he forgets the excellent teaching that he gave to others and will let no one soften down his grief thus the words that eliphaz babbled so unjustly to the patient job come home in all their truth and justice to many a consoler behold thou hast taught many and thou hast strengthened the weary hands thy words have confirmed them that were staggering and thou hast strengthened the trembling knees but now the scourge has come upon thee and thou faintest it hath touched thee and thou art troubled where is thy fear thy fortitude thy patience and the perfection of thy ways job chapter four verses three through six how shall we explain this apparent inconsistency the fault is not in the light of the understanding but in the resolution of the will our faith our instructions our meditations and our prayer leave us in no ignorance of what we ought to do we know well that in every grief and trial we ought to direct our mind and acts to god but when we have neglected to form our interior to habits of patience and our will has been too much devoted to the service of self-love many things become difficult to endure so when the hour of trial comes the will loses sight of the truth refuses to be patient and casts off the law of light the disorder therefore is in the will but the cure is also in the will holy job was not patient by nature but by the force of virtuous habits in his will the remedy is to waken up the will to the generous resolution of enduring with a magnanimous spirit whatever god ordains that we should endure with resignation and hope looking to no secondary causes but accepting the will of god as the first and ruling cause until it be his good pleasure to take away the burden returning for a moment to the vice of anger it should be thoroughly understood that all inordinate anger includes in it a disposition to revenge greater or less according to the degree of anger even though it be but a retort in word or feeling and that word or feeling be concealed in the breast in fact the anger that is kept within is more wasting and consuming than the anger that finds relief in expression st james has this element of vindictiveness in view where he says let every man be slow to anger for the anger of man worketh not the justice of god st james chapter one verses nineteen and twenty and st paul is more explicit he says if it be possible as much as is in you have peace with all men 
not revenging yourselves my dearly beloved but give place to wrath for it is written revenge to me i will repay saith the lord romans chapter twelve verses eighteen through twenty one anger is not a movement of power but a weak affection of nature destructive of power although the angry man mistakes it for power and at the time revels in it with a sense of satisfaction as if it were a triumph of strength but that satisfaction is already mixed with the misgivings of sadness unless resisted on its first approach nothing grows so rapidly hence the apostolic rule give place to wrath yield before it retreat from it if needful and occasion offers retreat from the occasion of it if anger comes upon you says st ambrose if it begins to take hold of you give place to it and take your own place your place is in patience your place is in reasonableness your place is in calming down your indignation it is no small thing to calm down anger it is an act as great as if you had remained unmoved this is nature that is virtue but the question arises is there a just anger unquestionably there is a just anger or rather a just indignation which belongs properly to parents to those who are placed in authority and to those whose duty it is to correct and amend disorder or vice and especially the disorder of insubordination and sometimes this just indignation becomes a duty that cannot be omitted without sharing the evil that is fostered by the absence of it but we must carefully distinguish between vicious anger and just indignation vicious anger springs from passion virtuous indignation moves from reason vicious anger blinds the reason virtuous indignation acts in the light of justice vicious anger has an evil purpose virtuous indignation has good for its object vicious anger multiplies evil virtuous indignation corrects evil vicious anger is moved by the malicious appetite of revenge virtuous indignation is moved by the zeal of vindicating the law and order established by god hence the psalmist admonishes us be angry and sin not psalm four verse five and our divine lord arose in the spirit of indignation against the pharisees on account of the pride and hypocrisy with which they misled the people of god from the truth and against the buyers and sellers who profaned the temple of god but where correction requires the emotions of indignation to give it due effect this ought not to be allowed to go beyond just reason and measure and therefore reflection should go before correction for whoever corrects another from the impulse of inordinate anger will himself be inflamed by the vice of anger he will exceed the measure of justice and do more harm than good explaining the text be angry and sin not st bernard justly observes you may sin as much by excess of anger as by omitting anger altogether 
not to be angry when you ought to be angry not to correct the disorder is sinful but to be more angry than you ought to be is to add sin to sin it is with a view to keeping the just measure of anger that saint gregory gives us this most valuable advice take great care that when you use anger as an instrument of virtue you do not let it become your master make it the obedient servant of your reason let it never depart from the support of reason it will rise with vigour against vice when made the minister of reason reflecting in after life upon the grief and bitter anger against which he had to struggle under harsh and inhuman treatment during the ten years of his imprisonment silvio pellico makes the following reflections which as coming from experience are not unworthy of being here entertained if i were a divine i should often insist upon the necessity of correcting irritability and inquietude of character none can be truly good without that being affected how nobly pacific both with regard to himself and others was he whom we are all bound to imitate there is no elevation of mind no justice without moderation in our principles and thoughts without a pervading spirit which inclines us to smile at the events of this little life rather than fall into a passion with them anger is never productive of any good except in the extremely rare case of being employed to humble the wicked even as the usurers were driven by our angry saviour from defiling his holy temple excitement and violence perhaps different altogether from what i felt are no less blamable mine was the mania of affliction and despair i felt a disposition while suffering under its horrors to hate mankind several individuals in particular appeared to my imagination in the most revolting colours it is a sort of moral epidemic i believe springing from vanity and selfishness for when a man despises and detests his fellow-creatures he necessarily assumes that he is much better than the rest of the world it is a curious fact that living in a state of hostility and rage actually affords a pleasure it seems as if people thought there were a kind of heroism in it such is the world and without uttering a libel it is not what it ought to be to complete this part of our subject st john chrysostom has an admirable discourse in which he demonstrates that no one can be spiritually injured except by himself the only good we have that is excellent and imperishable is our soul and the good which god gives to the soul but by nothing except our own will can the soul or its good suffer injury so long as one possesses one's soul in patience no one can take any part of that good away from us we can only lose the good of the soul by not holding to it with constancy and we thus sin by losing patience if we yield up the will to provocation or to temptation it slips from our control and suffers its force to be scattered and blown away at the word or stroke of another 
and it is thus at the mercy of our lower nature becoming weakened impassioned and unreasonable yet the injury and loss to the soul comes not from the provoker not from the tempter not from the temptation but from our own want of patience in not holding the will to a better object that we may endure with constancy until the trial pass away vexation anger and such like weaknesses that give the will up to disorder for the time are like mental derangement in that they are attended with excitement delusion and the clouding of reason to such an extent that when calm and sober sense returns we are surprised and grieved to find that we have not only lost our self-command but have committed ourselves to a great deal of folly but when the soul is truly patient neither what afflicts the body nor what assails the soul can really do us injury on the contrary the soul becomes enriched with stronger virtue and that fortitude is confirmed whereby we hold to god for which cause says st paul we faint not but though the outward man is corrupted yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our present tribulation which is momentary and light worketh for us exceedingly above measure an eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal for we know if our earthly house of this habitation is dissolved that we have a building of god a house not made with hands eternal in heaven two corinthians chapter four verse sixteen through chapter five verse one every inordinate outbreak of impatience vexation or anger is accompanied with sadness and terminates in greater sadness self-love is wounded pride humiliated vanity disappointed and put to shame and sadness follows depressing the soul enfeebling the spirit clouding the mind warping the judgment and paralyzing all generous virtue the tendency of sadness is to brood over oneself and to consider oneself as an ill-used and disappointed creature deserving of better things then the fumes of melancholy take possession of the heart which becomes sullen heavy and bitter and finds a miserable satisfaction in nursing the wounds of self-love in loneliness of soul as though god and our friends were our adversaries in the virulent accesses of this morbid disorder the sad one even imagines that this lonely isolation is a sort of revenge upon others as if they were the inflictors of this bitterness although it is only inflicted by one's own self-love and pride hence sadness is the most selfish of all selfish things and the very essence of self eating and consuming the very heart of virtue the serpent coiled round its slimy self with no other feeling but of self is the image of sadness in itself so long as it lasts it has neither reason hope 
charity nor generosity we have described this vice in its darker degrees but there are many other kinds of it which if not so gross or offensive are more subtle and less observed but which nevertheless become great impediments to the freedom and generosity of the soul especially in the performance of duty and in the exercise of prayer in his comment on the definition of patience given by st thomas cardinal cajetan gives us these pertinent remarks in your patience you shall possess your soul this possession consists in having the undisturbed and peaceful dominion of the soul but it is patience that keeps away whatever disturbs this quiet possession of oneself and it is in this sense that st james tells us that patience hath a perfect work but whilst cheerfulness looks to what we love and desire sadness looks to what we do not like and would not have and what we do not like we hold in fear and fear is much less in our power than those delightful thoughts that inspire cheerfulness if then we take a morbid pleasure in sadness it becomes far more injurious to the soul than the fear of evil we must not forget that the virtues are connected with each other and that charity is patient but as charity prefers god to all things it must prefer god to all those things that sadden the soul and as christian patience is caused by charity and cannot exist without charity whatever we have to suffer should be endured with patience for the sake of the greatest good that is for the love of god and the doing of his will from this exposition the conclusion is obvious charity looks with the cheerful eye of generous love to god as to the greatest and most desirable good sadness looks with the troubled eye of self-love to the things we dislike and would not have thus sadness takes us from the greatest good the good of charity and places us in the evil condition of cheerless and discontented self-love in which the soul feeds on the bitterness of self in a state of privation and disappointment but that this may not happen patience is given to charity that by its power of endurance charity may be protected and the evil of sadness may be kept away from invading the soul there is a sorrow according to god which says st paul worketh penance steadfast unto salvation two corinthians chapter seven verse ten but this steadfastness implies its patience this is a sorrow that does not depress or sadden but it elevates the mind and brings consolation to the soul it causes no loathing for prayer as the sadness of the world does but attracts the soul to god and only laments those things that separate the soul from him it is the fulfilment of the beatitude blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted but that morbid sorrow or sadness according to the world which as the apostle says worketh death and to which patience is opposed is an animal passion that dwells in the sensual appetite it springs out of irascibility 
and from repugnance to the evils which it fears and is seated in the flame of anger for the object of sadness is always some temporary evil real or imaginary which is thought to be injurious although offensive to nothing but self-love when sadness is much indulged in there follows a contraction of mind a weakening of the soul's power a dissolving of the heart's strength and an embittering of the spirit which causes restless discomfort and brings forth indignation and melancholy these unhappy feelings generate impatience discontent despitefulness sloth and weariness of heart a certain darkness closes over the mind immersed in the turbid unction of self-love so that the soul sees not her own folly and although the will commonly shrinks in its morbid entanglement from expressing the condition of the soul yet whenever speech is given to it it comes out in some way like this i am not at comfort with myself or i am annoyed with myself or i am vexed with myself or i have no peace with myself or i am thoroughly miserable observe how all this language of sadness begins and ends in self observe also how it points to the drowning of patience in the flood of sadness remark again how it breathes of nothing but wounded self-love mortifying in its own bitterness very much of this sadness comes from fixing the mind on the secondary causes of what tries or afflicts our nature instead of looking to the first and most beneficent cause in the will of god the winds of heaven the plunderers from the desert and the malignity of satan were the secondary causes of job's afflictions but he in his patient resignation went straight to the first cause the lord gave and the lord hath taken away blessed be the name of the lord the privations trials or sufferings that befall us are either directed or permitted by the ordinance of god and that with a view to our final good and the virtue of patience is given us that we may be able to meet them and profit by them god knows what we stand in need of far better than we know ourselves our trials are the fatherly dispositions of his providence and it is idle to fix our mind on human causes when they are ruled in the results that affect us by the one divine cause they are brought upon us for our probation our correction or the expiation of our sins they are designed to waken up in us the nobler and more vigorous and enduring virtues they establish the soul in discipline by the force of that patience and magnanimity which they demand of us they prove our love of god and our neighbour by the forbearance and the endurance which they call upon us to exert they refine away those noxious humours the products of self-love and sloth that obstruct and impede the general flow of spiritual life they plant in us the ground seed of merit and prepare the rewards of endurance they make us generous in conforming our will to the will of god 
hence the cheerful endurance of trials and sufferings is a virtue truly sublime reaching its heroic degrees in the martyrs and confessors of god it places us in spirit with christ upon the cross upon that cross which he commands us to carry after him all the days of this mortal life it gives us a likeness and a lot with him in the great work of our salvation which is all included in the mystery of his cross with the exceeding patience of his love for us he suffered exceedingly and our patient endurance of labor and suffering is the greatest proof we can give of our love of god in christ jesus but when we come to those interior trials that touch the very marrow of our life we must apply these reflections in a yet more exalted sense we are made to enjoy god and the soul delights in the first fruits of the holy spirit but we must be purified before we can be sanctified and we must deserve god as far as we are able by becoming more like to his incarnate son crucified in spirit as well as in body those interior aridities and desolations of spirit those anxieties arising from unpremeditated scruples those unsought distractions and temptations that try the patience of the soul are the crucifixions of the spirit and call upon us for fortitude and endurance they reveal our native weakness correct our self-love sweep out pride and levity teach us humility purify the soul of her vain conceits put our fidelity to the proof and compel us to have recourse to the remedy of patience for unless we are very patient and enduring under those interior trials sadness will invade the soul will greatly endanger her light her freedom and her charity and bring her under the dominion of the worst form of self-love of that self-love which murmurs and complains in its bitterness and makes prayer a painful and reluctant exercise be it then understood and remembered that the darkness of trial is not evil that dryness of spirit is not sin that confusion of mind is not malice they are invitations to patience calls to resignation beckonings to the healing cross admonitions to be humble and obedient to the will of god faith is asked to adhere with patience to god in the dark but this is the perfection of faith hope is called upon to cleave with trust to the good which though present is neither sensibly felt nor seen but this is the sublimity of hope charity asks in those hours of desolation for the substance rather than the accidents of the love of god for the pure will and desire of love without its sensibilities for patient conformity with christ crucified and desolate for the courageous desire of god without the reward of present delight but this is that strong pure unselfish god-seeking love which is the more meritorious from the absence of present delight the test of this brave and vigorous love is in the earnestness of its desire and in the patience of its resignation
yet god is secretly present with the soul and whilst that suffering soul is humbled in the consciousness of her infirmity in reward for her patience she receives a secret strength and peace infused into the depths of her spirit of which she is not altogether unconscious we have said that desire and patience are the proofs that the soul still adheres to god in the hour of interior trial for she will then enter into the spirit of the psalmist be thou o my soul subject to god for from him is my patience for he is my god and my saviour he is my helper i shall not be moved psalm sixty one verses six and seven but when the dark cloud breaks and the sun of justice shines forth anew to the thirsting soul with brighter beams than before she emerges from her trial more pure luminous and firm in virtue by reason of her faith and patience in the day of distress son says the wise ecclesiasticus when thou comest to the service of god stand in justice and fear and prepare thy soul for temptation humble thy heart and endure incline thy ear and receive the words of understanding and make not haste in the day of clouds wait on god with patience join thyself to god and endure that thy life may be increased in the latter end take all that shall be brought upon thee and in thy sorrow endure and in thy humiliation keep patience for gold and silver are tried in the fire but acceptable men in the furnace of humiliation believe god and he will recover thee and do thou direct thy way and trust him then to lift us out of fear and disheartenment the wise man sets before us these high motives for our encouragement my children behold the generations of men and know ye that no one hath hoped in the lord and hath been confounded for who hath continued in his commandment and hath been forsaken or who hath called upon him and he hath despised him for god is compassionate and merciful and will forgive sins in the day of tribulation and he is a protector of all who seek him in truth ecclesiasticus chapter two verses one through thirteen but if in our interior trials we lose our patience then we fall into sadness and so become weak troubled and discouraged for as by patience we adhere to god and receive his strengthening influence by the same patience we endure the privation of consolation and resist discouraging fears but if in the darkness and dryness of the soul we give way to disheartening fears and lose our confidence because we are deprived of comfort then patience gives way to impatience and discouragement which open the door to sadness that greatest enemy of hope which loosens the bonds of charity and leaves us in a weak and helpless condition a prey to mortified self-love for sadness brings with it a disrelish of devotion yet the remedy for sadness is prayer if any one of you is sad says st james 
let him pray st james chapter 5 verse 13 but as sadness broods in selfishness and is inclined to rest rather in our own unhappy thoughts than on god the soul turns to prayer with reluctance and therefore in the first instance by an effort hence the saddened one must first turn to god by vocal prayer persevering in which that reluctance will be overcome and so the disposition will be recovered for the recollection of mental prayer and as the sadness subsides the spirit will enter anew into the heart of prayer the second remedy against sadness is to break out of it by some external act of kindness or generosity for the malady consists in a morbid concentration upon oneself and a brooding within oneself that repels sympathy and kindness as being adverse to this melancholy mood a mood that can only be cherished in isolation of spirit but let the will make a little effort to be kind and considerate towards another and it is amazing how soon that malignant charm is broken that held the soul spellbound to her saddened thoughts and imaginary grievances a smile a kind look a few gentle words a considerate action though begun with effort will suffice to open the soul and set the spirit free from its delusion action again in the line of duty and from the sense of duty will enable the soul to throw off the morbidity with which she is encumbered and by the return to more cheerful thoughts she will recover her patience as every virtue holds on its way between two vices that bear some resemblance to it the one in excess the other in defect patience holds on its way between the vice of obstinacy as an excess and the vice of impatience as a defect obstinacy arises either from stupidity or pride it looks like patience because it seems to hold its own and to resist what is not its own but patience is reasonable and obstinacy is unreasonable patience resists what is evil and obstinacy resists what is good patience is tranquil and obstinacy is turbulent impatience is the vice in defect of patience when it rises into irritation and anger it is often mistaken for strength but the strength of the soul is in her patience when a man is filled with the impatience of anger from head to foot he will tell you that he was never more calm or self-possessed in his life he mistakes the equable balance of excitement and disturbance throughout his system for calmness and self-possession he is possessed indeed but possessed by an impatience and a weakness that hurry him away from the light of reason and the judgment of prudence into acts of folly the retrospect of which produces sadness charity and patience form the christian character to love god and in that divine charity to love all that god loves is to expand the flame of life in the soul whereby the spirit is enlarged with the communion of eternal good and with every kind of good but patience is the strength and solidity of charity 
that makes the golden virtue firm and steadfast that keeps back the impetuosity of nature and its temptations from injuring the flame of love and by its discipline preserves the soul in serenity and peace the union of these two virtues into one ardour and strength brings the sweetness of meekness and completes the lucid image of christ in the soul making her beautiful in the sight of our heavenly father when it is considered what a power is given by christian patience to creatures by nature so feeble and inconstant we cannot but see that its origin is divine what a motive for striving to bring its grace into the virtue that gives us the possession of ourselves there is only one evil in the sight of god and that evil is sin sin arises from the impatience that will not adhere to god and keep the will steadfast to his law and commandments but it is the nature of christian patience to rest on god and to hold with firm tenacity to whatever he enjoins whatever else are called evils such as temporal privations trials and sufferings are so far from being evils to the patient soul that in this present providence they are in the order of good they are evils to those impatient souls that make them the occasions of sin but those patient ones derive their power from god to transform the sense of these evils into virtues that enrich the soul and bring her to her eternal good the restoration of man to god should therefore bring him back to that patience through the loss of which he ceased to abide in god and in his will but that restoration is accomplished through jesus christ the son of god who exhibited both to his father and to men the perfection of humility and patience from the beginning to the ending of his mortal life the father gave his patience to the son and with that divine patience the son overcame all his enemies and ours and gave that patience to us that by its help we may master our weakness and overcome in every hostile encounter for in the words of saint leo the passion of the lord continues still and even to the end of the world as he is loved in his saints and is fed and clothed in his poor so he endures in those who suffer patiently for justice sake wherefore the great apostle sets patience before us as the power that resists the entrance of sin and exhorts us in the vehemence of the holy spirit to keep the patience of christ before us in all its exercise he says to the hebrews laying aside every weight and sin that surrounds us let us run by patience to the fight proposed to us looking upon jesus the author and finisher of faith who having joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and now sitteth at the right hand of the throne of god for think diligently on him that endured such contradiction from sinners against himself that you be not weary fainting in your minds for you have not resisted unto blood striving against sin hebrews chapter twelve verses one through four 
and to show the great value of trials for perfecting patience and how intimately patience is bound up with charity the apostle says again we glory also in tribulations knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience probation and probation hope and hope confoundeth not because the charity of god is poured forth in our hearts through the holy ghost who is given to us romans chapter five verses three through five 